I saw you beat that man like I never saw no man get beat before. And the man kept coming after you. After the credits roll, there's always more to tell. Especially when the video sounds are doing really well. From shock treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6. This is Sequel Cast. And they are unsurpassed at following a franchise until the better end. This is Sequel Cast. And your host have asked that I inform you that the show will Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. The Sequel Cast is a podcast that looks at movies in a franchise one film at a time. We're looking at the Rocky films. This time around, we're looking at Rocky II, which was released in 1979, written and directed by Sylvester Stallone, featuring music again by Bill Conti. Uh, I'm your host, Matt. With me is Thrasher. Hello, hello. And the theme song you just heard is written and performed by Mark with a C. Check out his music at markwithac.com. And the sequel cast is a proud member of the Battleship Retention podcast fleet. Check out other great film and TV podcasts at battleshipretention.com. Where David Bax has your back. Very good. Not to Don't forget about Tyler Smith now. Tyler Smith also is there. Tyler Smith, not a Sith. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my young friend. So, so we did some talking before the show, Thrasher, and you mentioned to me... That you had never seen Rocky Two, you had seen like very little of it because they yeah, don't play had, this one uh, on TV a lot. I had, as far as I know, I had never seen Rocky Two until I had actually, uh, until I had actually seen it for this episode of the sequel cast. You look. And I gotta where, say, I enjoyed. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah I, I think it's a good film overall. Um, you look at where Rocky One ended, and, and um, although we do our picture sequel game. What they did with Rocky Two, I think, is almost what they had to do, because the ending of that first Rocky is Rocky. Yes, he went the distance. Did he achieve his quest? Yes, but the fight, you know, was like a draw. So um, it is all about the rematch, right? This, as oh, the yeah, poster the, says, the boxing a rematch after that kind of fight would be inevitable. Exactly, and as the poster says, the story continues, and I mean, this film picks up right with the other one. The first one leaves off. Well, we even see a good chunk of the fight. Too. Oh, that's a Rocky tradition: is blow the first ten minutes with the mon- with a, <laughs> a recut version of the big boxing scene. From yeah, from the previous one. Yeah, absolutely, and and it, it was. I think that's the way they. That's the best way to start this movie. It starts you with a lot of action. It reminds you why you care so much about Rocky. Um, it was just so weird because I actually, uh, I actually watched this back to back with uh, with the original Rocky, and at the time it, it, it did seem kind of redundant. But of course, you know, if you had seen this in the theaters, you would have waited three years to see this, so it, it wouldn't it wouldn't seem redundant at all to you. Well, to keep in mind. And this is hard to believe, but you know when this came out in 1979, there were not that many movies that had sequels. And if they did, they certainly didn't have a two at the end, uh, unless it was Godfather. But you had things, you know, like James Bond or um, Topper, yeah, or Dirty Harry, right? Or the sequel wasn't Dirty Harry Two; it's Magnum Force, or you know, Dirty Harry is Magnum Force in Magnum Force, his latest adventure yet. It's about condoms. That's right. He uh, he really makes a breakthrough. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> you see what I did there. Um, but yeah, 
Rocky Two, it's you know much of the same cast as the original, and that they, even though it uh, was released a, a few years afterwards, I want to look at the career of Sylvester Stallone between Rocky One and Rocky Two. Yeah, because after Rocky One, it won the Oscar for Best Picture and stuff. Um, even the trailer for the original Rocky says this, which is, is kind of shocking um, by today's uh, uh, viewist alone. But they were describing, you know, Sylvester Stallone. Some have described him as a modern Marlon Brando or Jack Nicholson. Well, at the time, I don't think that would have seemed so strange. But that's not the trajectory his career took in the end. Right. And um, as we look at what he did in between Rocky 1 and Rocky 2, he made his uh, directorial debut uh, with a film called Paradise Alley, which he also starred and wrote in. took place in uh, New York in 1940s. Uh, Italian brothers. One of them is uh, kind of a retard. That guy's not played by Stallone, but he's really good at wrestling. So it's uh, it's a very quirky, kind of weird movie, but more of a drama again than than an action film. And Sylvester Stallone sings the titular song "Paradise Alley" over the opening credits, which is hilarious. Um, and the other film he did was another more serious, dramatic thing. Uh, called Fist, based off uh, the real-life story of Johnny Kovac, who was uh, an important part in the American Union movement. So sort of a, a union uh, meets gangster uh, story. Which, as, as I recall, and this is you know back in the day when you did the Sly cast, wasn't, wasn't that the first film you reviewed? No, you know, the first... Um, we should give background, talk about the Sly cast. So, before doing the sequel cast, I... Uh, did other podcasts, most notably was something called Super Cooper Troopa Show, which was a, uh, a video game music podcast. And then I was kind of floundering trying to come up with concepts. I did a few episodes of a series called Slycast. It was supposed to look at the career of Stallone. And the first one I did was Lords of Flatbush, which is a film where he has a meeting supporting part, which is kind of a, a period piece uh, along the veins. Think of like American graffiti, but set in Brooklyn, but around that same time period. Um and that starred Sylvester Stallone and Henry Winkler. But yeah, I did not talk about Fist. I've wanted to see Fist. I've just never uh, gotten around to it. But anyway, Stallone was doing more dramatic stuff. And he went and did uh, you know, Rocky II because he needed, a, among other things, he needed a hit and people love the character. And he said, you know, I'll do it if I get to direct it. And they said, yes, of course. Because he was involved very much in the production of the first movie. So they didn't have, they didn't, uh, have a, much of a problem letting him direct the second one. And when Rocky II came out, it was the highest-grossing sequel of all time up to that point. Yeah, and, and this and this is, you know, in, in an age when the sequel wasn't the dragon that all major studios seemed to be trying to chase all the time. Right, I think, you know, Rocky, as we mentioned before, is a lovable character. And in this one, uh, the original title for the script was Rocky II Redemption. I could see that. Although I'm glad, I'm glad they didn't go with that. I think there's a certain elegant simplicity with just calling it Rocky Two. It's like you're opening up the second chapter of a book. Yes, and I mean that also extends to having the the number as Roman numerals instead of the um, the number two. Rocky I I, if you will. I <laughs> I Rocky. I I I I I I I ice cream. Um. So, I mean, it, it starts off with Apollo Creed, played by Carl Weathers, and Rocky, played by Sylvester Stallone. They're, like, really 
injured bandage up. They both took quite a beating in their full 15 well, rounds. Well, they're rushed, they're rushed to the hospital, and we see them in the hospital, and we really see the consequences that that fight has taken out on their bodies. What did you think of the music in the opening credits as um, you see him drive to the hospital? It's sort of a more sinister, synthesized take on the Rocky theme. I, you know, I warmed up to it really quick, and part partly because I, I really, I actually really do have a fondness for all kinds of music for the '70s. I love the wah wah pedal. I love yes. that noise, and so I, I fell into the groove of that of that song very, very quickly. I, it's more of a funky take. I think it, if you listen to it while you're having a glass of wine or something, just to the song by itself and kind of really get into it, it um, it plays better because you're expecting to hear something victorious and, and it sounds darker and more sinister. And this, among other things, is about how um, the arc is about what happens to, to Rocky when he starts to to get famous or he's a fighter, but he doesn't want to fight. But when a guy is best at, you know, his... He has a calling, and he doesn't do it, and he tries to do other stuff. Well, well, that's one of, one of the neat, ex- neat explorations of this film, because like the, the first film, it really is all about that one fight. You know, there yes, is Rocky, right. R- Rocky, and even really most of the people that he's allied with, no one has given any kind of thought to an actual fighting career. So, so, so much, so much of this movie is about you know the consequences of that one moment of success. And then what, what the hell do you do afterwards? And the character of Rocky is kind of a simpleton. I mean, they did, for this, Rocky too, at least, it is a drama like the first film, but it's covering a different topic. I mean, you do have the romantic elements, uh, certainly, with um, Rocky uh, and, Adrian. Getting, and Adrian, yeah, getting married, having a baby, all that stuff. And actually, I really, when I was in... Uh, Mark Neese's scripting class back in college. Did you were you ever fortunate enough to take a class with Mark Neese? I was not. It's, it's wonderful scripting classes, but this was uh, the, uh, Rocky Two was actually something he always brought out with, uh, was the marriage proposal scene as a really well written scene. Mm. Uh, and I really and I really do love that marriage proposal. Just say, hey, what do you think you're going to be doing for the next thirty, forty years? I mean, he did take his retard to the zoo. You you are really throwing that word around, man. Hey, that's a quote from the first film. But I think yeah, I don't know if that was intentional to be a reference to that. But it's it's a, well, a, a very striking image: the snow, the tiger. Well, which which is actually something that they that they really really do a lot of the 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 symbolism with the tiger. We see the tiger in the zoo. Rocky gets that that sweet jacket with the tiger emblem on it. Rocky three. The hit song is "Eye of the Tiger." Yeah, I mean that really that really becomes sort of sort of his 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 emblem. At the beginning, I mean, even though Apollo is beat to shit, he wa- he wants to challenge Rocky right there. He wants to fight Rocky in in the respective wheelchairs. He, he well, yeah, he, he's even and again, that's like even even at that moment, you know, Apollo still has his swagger. You know, him trying to get up out of the wheelchair to continue the fight that is clearly all for show and all for the cameras. But you can see in his eyes, he really does want that fight. He wants a decisive victory. Apollo, the character has some interesting beats here. They don't spend uh, they spend less time in this than they did in Rocky One, but you do get moments with his family where he's being kind of smeared as a as a bad guy wanting to fight Rocky again and he he just feels sort of down in the dumps and he seems a bit more uh, humbled I think from 
that fight in the first film he didn't take seriously really, but this one he really is going to train hard for it. Yeah, we, we actually do get to see a lot of his training regimen, and, that, and that's one of the neat things that they, they hark back to uh, several times in this film and that we will see in later films is, you know, Rocky, when Rocky is getting back into training, he's he's training like he always did. He's running early every morning. He's he's beating up slabs of meat. He's doing all these really sort of down down to the ground kind of training right. methods and you know where we see Apollo Creed he's got his expert physical trainers he's got his nice gym you know he's got his his sports drinks uh it, it is really neat seeing that dichotomy yeah and Rocky's trying to catch chickens in his backyard I actually I love that scene and that actually that's another sort of iconic training scene that will often get parodied just say you want to get speed you gotta catch a chicken but damned if he isn't right. Have you ever tried to catch a chicken? I have not. I've um. I, I mean a yeah. real chicken, not one of these raised in a cage modern chickens. No, they are hard to catch. So let's see here. Uh, you know, as a continuing thread from the first film, Paulie was begging for a job with uh, was it Gazo, right? Gazo. Yeah. And he finally gets it. So I mean, he's actually doing well. He's making really good money. And meanwhile, um, Rocky is really struggling. He's lugging around spit buckets at, at well, Mickey's gym. Well, yeah, because he, he he just had that one fight. He didn't really have a career. Uh, you know, he didn't have a he didn't have management. He didn't have representation. So he just kind of fell back on the way things were before. Although there is that. <laughs> I, I like that we get to see Rocky and Adrian like spending Rocky's money and you know we see them you know get the car that they don't know how to drive mm. and the nice clothes and whatnot and the good house the I love yeah. but during all this I actually love that whole string of scenes where Rocky to earn money for the family when when Adrian gets pregnant d- gets that endorsement deal yeah it's, it's almost painful to watch because you feel for Rocky he really can't he can barely barely read he's supposed to be doing a commercial and I, the first one i think he's dressed like uh, like tarzan or something yeah where he yeah he's uh, with the sec with the sexy 1970s explorer models and it's it's all it's like an ad for cologne and you know he's reading the ad copy and you know the 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 director has no patience with him whatsoever it's like i really like i feel like if that director wasn't so much of a of a jerk rocky would would still be doing the product endorsements he, he eventually he leaves that job pretty quick yeah, he spends four hours trying to shoot one thirty-second commercial, and he can't do. He can't remember his lines. Well, he can he, bar- he, as we've seen in the first film, you know, he can he can barely read, and so he can't read the cue cards, which they don't even call cue cards; they call dummy cards. Right. So he's, uh, you know, humiliated, at the, and they don't treat him with a lot of respect. That makes it seem like a real fluke that he lasted fifteen rounds in the first place. Meanwhile, Paulie is living the life of Riley, and in a nice turn, even though he's doing sort of a crooked job, he helps uh, rock out with some money. Oh, you know, something I wanted to, I wanted to talk about, because um, my fiance Sarah and I actually had a real conversation about this, about about whether or not Rocky himself might have some sort of mental retardation or some sort of developmental disability, and my, my stance is that he doesn't, but they make... They mentioned this in the first film, that Rocky's the southpaw, Rocky's left-handed, and that comes up in a much bigger way in the second film, and, you know, Rocky, you know, being 
you know, being uh, you know an, an Italian guy from Boston, probably Catholic. And this this all comes from my from my mother's experience because my mother uh, was in Catholic school uh, in the the sixties, uh, uh, and that apparently, like you know, that was at a time when being like in many sort of educational institutions, being left-handed was looked down upon. And you were sort of drilled to do everything right-handed, and which is if you're left-handed, that's just something your body's not designed, your body and brain just isn't decide, designed to do. And in many cases, people's education suffered if they were left-handed. And I'm wondering if if that's what happened to Rocky. I mean, the, think of the desk at school, right, with the fold-over table. Oh Lord. That's on the right side. Every desk at every lower school, middle school, and high school I've ever been to should be th- should be thrown out, burned, and the ashes used uh, to scrawl a warning about about uh, ergonomics. We those those chairs and desks are god awful. We really need a better chair and desk for the twenty first century. I don't know if they still do it or not. Still do what? Still have the desk like that. Uh, I, I'm going to assume so, but I don't know. <laughs> but I really like those commercial segments, particularly the one where, like, they've recreated Rocky from that climactic fight, but he has all this m- terrible makeup on to make it look like he's just been beat up. The prosthetic nose is the worst. <laughs> yeah. And he, he comments on how fake it looks. And it, again, you're, you're feeling for Rocky, but it, it's nice that even though, yeah, at the end of the day, it is a rematch against the same guy he fought at the end of the first film. It's a different story to get you there. They could have easily had Rocky been um, been like homeless or something, down on his luck, and having to train again with Mickey. And yeah, and while some of the beats are the same, I think they make enough changes to make this still a story worth uh, worth telling here. Yeah, and I, and I do like that we get to see his relationship with Adrian mature. That's great. You know, actually, when he um, and Adrian, um, when he knocks up Adrian, gets her pregnant, and she has a baby, that's actually, you, they use one of Sylvester Stallone's st- uh, son cool. as the baby in that sequence. But it's the son that he doesn't really uh, talk about. It's from his first marriage. Uh, his son, Sergio, uh, was autistic. Oh, cool. And um, the, the, the divorce happened fairly... Um, after 11 years and they got a, and she got a big divorce settlement and then Stallone didn't at reportedly, I don't know, didn't really spend that much time with his, his son or it wasn't a very close relationship. I don't think. And Sylvester Stallone based his performance as Rambo in the film first blood off his autistic son. Really? I did not know that. Yeah. As far as ways he'd kind of like be, not not slow necessarily, but kind of like stare off in the distance. He wasn't really good at conversation. It's a very internalized performance. He has Rambo has trouble expressing his emotions. And if you want to hear us talk about the Rambo films, you can do that at SequelCast.com. Check out our old episodes. You can also donate to us via PayPal. Just click on the donate link at SequelCast.com and check out the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash SequelCast. So back to... Um, Rocky too. Rocky. Rocky. Ooh. We need to stop going. We need to stop, stop. invoking it's, it's, the spirit of Tim Curry it's here. It's too easy of a joke to do. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Do, do you like uh, 
Apollo in this film, even though he's not used as much. What about Mickey? He's another one of your favorites. I I still I still like them both. Uh, I, I guess I, I like Mickey a little bit more, uh, only uh, only because you know we we get we get to see. We get to see, you know, a, a bit, a bit more about him. You know, we we get to see, you know, that that, that Mickey's just as disappointed in the turn Rocky's or the lack of Rocky's career as Rocky is, and and you know, Mickey, you know, wants wants to go the distance as as a trainer. I do like. Although I do like that we get to see with Apollo Creed that he still is, a, despite all his swagger, he still is a serious boxer at the top of his game. And you know, when we when we see him training, when we see him really, really dedicated to building himself up so he can defeat Rocky, you know, we we get to see that he really has earned all of his fame and fortune. Mm. You know, the, the the swagger. You know, we see the swagger, but he he did still he did still get to the top uh, under his own merits. I think here, like, um, I watched, there was a big documentary, I believe it was on the Biography Channel, called The Rocky Saga. That's It's uh, two hours long, looks at all six films in, in uh, great detail. And when they get to Rocky II, Sylvester Stallone does what's called a humble brag, where he says he oh, thinks, yeah. he's, he feels that the climactic fight scene is better choreographed and better shot in Rocky II than in Rocky I. I can see that. It's certainly shot in a different way. It's a lot more close-ups. He uses slow motion, I think, to pretty good effect. Um, he overuses it a bit in the later films, I think. Yeah, that actually is something I've, I noticed, is that the use of slow motion is very, very measured. It, it, you, get, you just sort of feel the immense walloping these guys are getting even more. It seems even more intense with the, the judicious use of slow motion and they really you know spray the actors down with water and fake blood and stuff so every time they get hit it's like whoosh you can feel the sweat pour off their faces oh yeah it while the first uh rocky it might have looked more like a real boxing match this one although it's a it's a mixture of like um hollywood stuff with the close-ups and the uh, the water gushing off their face with each hit in the slow motion, but yet you still get some of that seventies uh, grittiness in the cinematography. Yeah, I think it, it, it is a bit more of a of a heightened match. But I like that I like that the violence and the action is still down to earth, which is something that I think is missing from a tremendous number of sports movies. The fight does reach the fifteenth round, and do you like the uh, the tactic that Rocky uses of using the bum hand? Oh yeah, well, we're we're where he's trained, he's trained to fight right-handed, so he can switch to left-handed at the end of the game to completely throw off Apollo Creed. Now, I, I'll admit I'm not a boxer, but that sounds like it would work. I actually really like that strategy. That was all done because of it wasn't originally scripted that way. It was because Sylvester Stallone got injured while making the film, and he couldn't use his uh, his hand. Really? Yeah. So yeah. So that's why he has to do so much of the fighting right-handed. Because he injured his left hand during a scene, and so, <laughs> and that's such a central point of this movie's uh, plot, especially in the second half. Wow, because I really feel that that helps the movie. I it does, yeah. I can't imagine a version of the movie <laughs> where that isn't part of it. Yeah, it would have taken away a lot of the dramatic nature of that final fight. Um, the montage, I don't think, is as good as in the first film. It literally, it's a whole uh, school of children. Following Rocky down the streets, I actually kind of found that charming because he is the local hero. 
Did you and like he probably the, is the idol of a lot of those kids. Did you like the chorus of children singing Gonna Fly Now? That that was a bit much. Gonna fly now, training hard now. Fly, fly. Stop. <laughs> no more. So yeah, that's uh, that's Rocky too. Any last <laughs> any last things you want to talk about? I think we did well, a good well, job. Well, yeah, I, I know I like that there is a decisive victory. Only this time, you know, it is it is you know Rocky is clearly the victor. Um, but uh, but once again, Adrian apparently doesn't have a seat to the game. It's even weirder this time around because, in a kind of goofy plot twist, or it's not goofy, but it's kind of tired. Um, Adrian is having health problems because she has to go back work at the pet shop and stuff. And anyway, because of all that, she gives birth, but then kind of goes into a, a bit of a, a coma of sorts. Yeah, there's a weird coma subplot. Weird coma subplot where you get, admittedly, I think a pretty good scene of Stallone watching night and day and he won't leave his wife's side and he's praying like at four in the morning in the church. And it's a really nice scene, I think, between Mickey and Rocky in the church. That is a very beautiful scene. It's it's well written to the point he's like, listen, Rock, it's up in the morning. I think uh, I think God's heard you by now. If you want me to stay here with you, I'll stay. If you want to go home, we'll train. And I mean, uh, although the, the coma subplot is kind of tired, I think the payoff is quite good when she wakes up and she says, I want you to win, Rocky. You have to win this. You have to go fight. And like yeah, that, and that after, gives him the you know, kick in the butt. Because before needs. then, you know, she didn't want Rocky to get back into the ring. Right, right. But I do like that after she's had a brush with death, she she understands the importance of these challenges. It's you get some real nice uh, character moments before the the montages leading up to that final fight here in Rocky Two, and uh, you know Rocky gets to gets to win this time, but Adrian watches it at home on the TV, which is not very dramatically interesting. <laughs> Yeah, again, why Why have a seat in her husband's game or match? Yeah. It's so bizarre. I thank God, first of all. I thank my wife, who who, uh, who can't make it. She uh, she got she got sick with the coma, so she can't sit in no chair. She came down with a bad case of the comas. She, she came down with the comas. I did this for you, Adrian. Adrian! You're my favorite Roman emperor. My favorite emperor. And uh, Apollo, thank you very much for the good fight, Mr. Apollo. You uh, you, you did yourself uh, good. I, I actually, I got I just realized, I think I paraphrased that gag from Elliot Kalin. That's all right. As you mentioned, there's plenty of Rocky gags to go around. <laughs> plenty. Um, so, I mean, giving Rocky to a rating out of five stars... I give it four out of five stars. I think it's a pretty solid sequel. It does repeat uh, some stuff from the first film, including who he fights at the end, but you almost had to. There's enough character moments, I think, that, that elevate what could be a uh, a sequel that's a remake. I don't think Rocky Two is exactly a remake of the first one. You know, Rocky gets to win this time, but uh, Rocky goes to some interesting places, I think. I'm going to give it a five. I actually Ooh, liked like it. it more. I liked it a bit better than, than the original Rocky. Why is that? Uh, I, I think I think it was const- uh, was constructed a wee bit better. Uh, mm. I do like that 
there is finally a decisive victor in the end, but it's but it seems natural. It seems earned. It, it, you know, Rocky isn't the victor because his name is on the poster for the movie. It feels like a very natural, very real victory. And also, another thing I noticed, I bet you could edit Rocky 1 and Rocky 2 together into one coherent movie. I, I bet you could. I think um, you could also probably, you might have to trim down the boxing scenes at the end. But yeah, I think you really could have, they could have done Rocky 1 and 2 as one movie. Like I mean, one, you, one three-hour saga. And you know, as we mentioned before, the they, they did a Broadway musical recently. Uh, it's right now on Broadway, in fact of that first Rocky film called Rocky the Musical. Do you think we'll see a remake of Rocky 1 in theaters? Or... I bet we'll see a remake when Sylvester Stallone is dying or dead. Mm. Like, and, it, it, it's yeah. so much his thing, I don't think he would give it up to someone to be remade. I think that's something his estate would have to do. Well, because apparently, yep. uh, I guess, um, and this this isn't really news, I don't think, but they're working on... A um, a film called Creed, that's about Apollo Creed is dead and his son takes up boxing and Rocky trains Apollo's son. That's kind of cool because I think I think Apollo yeah. Creed is definitely a character that deserves more exploration, and I would like to. I kind of would like to see that kind of passing of the torch. So that'd be good, I think, if they did it. Uh, if they did it right and sort of did it more as a as a drama, but no, um, you know, they haven't started filming it yet. I think they might still be working on the script. It might be an early development, but and then it, a prequel called Mickey. You could actually legitimately do that, I think. But uh, I would like to see that. I yeah. would like. I would is, like is to that see your kind of a melancholy movie about how he went from an up and coming boxer to to a washed up boxer and then to a trainer. Is that your pitch a sequel? Mickey? You know what? Yes, my pitch okay. a sequel is a prequel. Uh, Mickey, and it's just Mickey up on a poster the same way as Rocky, uh, and, you know, the tagline will be, he had his million-to-one chance. And, you know, it's all about him having a rapid rise, not quite to the top, but past the middle, and about the fight that cost him his career. Well, my pitch is sequel. It's going to continue with my obsession of the character of Polly. It's going to be called uh, Thumbbreaker. <laughs> and it's Polly getting in over his head, doing a, a thing for Gazo. So picking off a of Rocky two, he's making a lot of money doing work for this uh, low-level low level gamester, uh, Gazo. And he uh, he gets sent to break somebody's thumb, but on his latest gig, he doesn't realize that he broke the thumbs of one of the most powerful crime lo- lords of New Jersey. He thought he was shaking down a regular person, but he gets he gets like mixed up. They're both wearing the same jacket, <laughs> and he breaks... He breaks the thumb of a, a powerful New Jersey uh, Atlantic City crime lord. <laughs> so Polly's on the run. It's sort of like a buddy cop uh, movie with two games. It's with Polly, Polly and Gazzo together have to uh, go to an Atlantic City casino, track down this mob boss who Polly uh, broke his thumb. Beg for forgiveness. The mob boss, you know, thinks about it, draws a gun on him, and says, uh, "Okay, you broke uh, you broke my thumbs. I'm gonna hit you where it counts." He gives a gun to Polly. He says, "Polly, you gotta murder the one thing Rocky loves. Rocky's winning too many fights. I'm losing business here and my my stuff in the casino, betting on the fights. So you have to you have to murder your own sister, Polly. You have to murder Adrian." 
to send Rocky into a deep depression so he loses fights so the the mobster gets more money off the the bets he's hooking up. <laughs> so that, that's the very dark plot for for Thumbbreakers. Oh, and Shirley Bassey will sing the theme song Thumbbreaker. Yes. He's the man who breaks your thumbs. Bum. He's not a bum. And as a tie-in toy, you have a little plastic thumb that slips over your thumb. <laughs> and it has a little uh, piece of plastic that kind of bends and makes a big cracking sound. It goes, <laughs> so you can make it look like, oh, I busted my thumb. <laughs> I and had I, my thumb broke, my thumb breaker. I, I, my thumb broke. And if you do it enough times, like maybe every fifth time, it goes, oh. Well, you know, I'm glad we went in this direction because originally my pitch of sequel was going to be about Apollo Creed being rebuilt as a cyborg, Apollo Mark II, and was going to go on a rampage <laughs> <laughs> to destroy Rocky. It was going to be Rocky Three, Apollo Two. <laughs> Theta, Rocky Three, Apollo Part Two. I think you'd have to have a scene in that where um, Rocky and Apollo... Apollo takes Rocky out to a big dinner, you know, for the, they try to get friendly. It's, it's for the press. But he's still and, a giant cyborg. He looks like ED-209. He looks like ED-209, but they're trying to play nice for the press. And a- Apollo gives a, you know, gives the gives the appetizer a, a soup, and uh, they finish it. Uh, Rocky slurps it up. He's like, hey, hey, Apollo, uh, that, that soup is pretty good. What was it? And Apollo pauses his eye, robotic eye, gleams red <laughs> shining in Rocky's face and uh, Apollo says there was turtle soup you just ate cuff and link <laughs> oh! <laughs> and they start to have a brawl right there in the hoity toity <laughs> dinner area right in front of the uh, but I'm about doing I'm about to do another picture sequel so I'll and Mark Dumont gets hit in the face with a bowl of soup and goes well I never <laughs> and Go he had- he has to hire the Marx Brothers to... <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, sequel news, sequel news. What do we have for sequel news? I saw a trailer for a, a, a cartoon film that's coming out. Did you now? Of uh, Peabody and Sherman. I've got high hopes for that movie. You do or you don't? No, no, I do. Yeah. Um, you know, it looks like it, it has that same dynamic between the characters... It, I think the animated look looks a little bit different from the cartoon, but certainly Peabody looks pretty similar. I don't know about uh, Sherman. And it looks like it's doing a time travel thing, which is Well, smart. that's the core to the concept yes. of Peabody and Sherman. Well, you know, they could have just done a Peabody and Sherman and had it just take place in present day and a kid has a smart <laughs> you, dog. You know what people didn't like about the cartoon about the time traveling dog? The time travel. Too confusing. It's like what they did with the Bill and Ted's uh, animated series, where after the first season, they said, you know, I don't think there's enough storyline possibilities in time travel. Let's have them travel into books. Yeah, I believe I ranted <laughs> about that when we covered Yeah, way Bill back when. Ted's That's a great story. episode. Um, we did with Linda Kay of the Bill and oh, Ted yeah. fan site. So check that out at sequelcast.com. We'll have her back when the third movie comes out. I really hope that happens. I would love to see Bill too. and Ted 3. Well, if we're talking about trailers, uh, I saw the trailer for Transformers Age of Extinction. I've not seen this trailer yet. It has the Dinobots in it, right? Apparently it does. Now, keep in mind, I despise the first three films, and I certainly have no intention of seeing this film. But it looks like the film that the first three films should have been. 
why? What? Uh, fidel- more fidelity to the original source material. Uh, giant robot dinosaurs. And like, uh, uh, like a, what may very well be a dark, uh, d- uh, legitimately darker take on human transforming robot relations. So what? What is it? Look, does can you tell the plot at all, or is it just more of like a montage of? Action? Well, a- apparently the Transformers have either been kicked off Earth or forced to go into hiding after the events of the third film. And there's even like a poster. You see, like a poster to like report suspicious mechanical activity. Um, okay. And Mark. Mark Wahlberg plays some guy who finds a beat up old red truck that he starts like refurbishing in his barn. Only it turns out it's not a truck; it's Optimus Prime, who I guess has been dormant for some reason. Uh, huh. And then spate giant ships come and start invading the Earth, and the Transformers presumably have to stop them. Interesting. You know, you know, I think uh, that that last uh, Transformers film was about uh, Transformers transporting into Chicago through interdimensional rifts. I mean, in fact, it was very similar to the storyline of the Avengers in that way, Um, except it was robots and not aliens and Chicago, not New York City. Well, to be fair, they are alien robots. Yes. And um, I know there's some fidelity to the source material in the other ones, but I think that the first Transformers live action film was, uh, was, was very, was pretty good. And they went down, and um, three was better than two, and two was just awful beyond belief. So, yeah, we'll see. I think Dinobots having that in there is very smart. And, I mean, Michael Bay directed all four live-action films in that series. So, uh, Yeah, he's an auteur. Would you rather see him make Bad Boys 3? Well, the thing is, I have no desire to see anything he makes. I guess that's the thing. Like, if if he made if he made Bad Boys three, I would probably feel the exact same way. But at least bad at least Bad Boys is kind of its own thing. It's not dredging up some nostalgical property and trying to make it badass. Pretty neat. My criticism always is: What you're watching? Well, uh, I have finally seen uh, the entirety of Breaking Bad as of this past weekend. I have not, but everyone at work talks about it all the time. So, well, um, I, I won't. Uh, if if you're tired of hearing about it, don't worry. All, all I'm going to say is I I really enjoyed that series, and I really appreciate the way it ended. The thing I heard a lot at work is people said they wish it would have the last episode would have been the one before the last one. I've heard that. Well, you know what you know what it is is it's it's kind of the, the it's all about like the denouement. Everything is like kind of wrapped up, and like the like the big resonant climax happens the second to last episode. The last episode is all about the falling action. That is a, a, a beat they normally don't do in, in stories, which is a beat I love. I love falling action. It's like you give it a bit of room to breathe as the story finishes. Yeah, it doesn't have to end on a high note. They get a chance to to calm down. Like okay, what did what did uh, what did we learn here? Is it's things- like love making. Although, wouldn't that you- be great if, like, <laughs> at the end of the series, Walt's like, "What did we learn today?" Well, I learned that sometimes might can make right. I've learned that winners don't do drugs. Winners sell drugs. Like, end it with like a really weird, twisted moral. <laughs> like he he breaks yeah. character. Steps, you could, you could steps end out it- to a studio audience. You could end it with a twist ending of um the last episode ends how it ends and then you you the screen kind of goes fuzzy 
and then you see it's uh, back to the scene from the very first episode where Walter White's wife is giving him a hand, a, a slow hand job in bed, absentmindedly. And then he, but and he's then, like, "That was a weird, that was a weird uh, fantasy." And she's like, "Oh, still not getting it up." Huh? Murder fantasy. Yeah, that, that was a weird uh, sexual fantasy. But looks like you're, this this just isn't going to happen. She looks kind of down, disappointed. She was she was giving a, a sad hand job to begin with. And uh, then he wakes up in bed just in time to see Godzilla come in and kill him. But not before offering Godzilla some shiny blue meth crystals. <laughs> Making say like say calling them crystals makes them seem magical. The crystals of myth only they can awaken the mana of Agrathor. One thing I watched in uh, preparation for the Oscars recently was uh, the only thing I could find at the video store, Nebraska. How was it? Directed by Alexander Payne. Um, okay, I like Sideways and some of his other stuff a lot more. I mean, this is a very low key story. Uh, I'll tell you what I liked about it at first. I liked that it's filmed in black and white. Mm-hmm. They seem to film it in what looks like authentic small Nebraska towns. They cast a lot of locals to play parts as opposed to actors. So while that means a lot of the acting in the film is, is actually pretty bad, it makes it feel like you're in a town in the Midwest. And the actors that are Hollywood actors that are in it, like Stacey Keach and uh, Bruce Dern and... Um, Oh, what's his name? Is it Will Forte? Is that... Uh... From SNL? Yes. He's in it, Oh, too. yeah, Will Forte. Will Forte. So, I thought it was like a gentle, sweet story. It's the kind of thing you could watch with a, with a, an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent. And uh, they, they'd probably enjoy. But, I mean, very sort of simple. <laughs> I, I thought it would be funnier or more emotionally moving, and I didn't quite get that. So, not... Not awful, but not not good either. Just sort of mediocre. And yet I talked to a friend of mine at work and who she watches. She goes to the movie theater like two or three times a week because she has some special pass. And she told me she thought Nebraska was the best film out of all the nominees. Mm. Which, that's not very... That doesn't make me want to see the other movies, really. But So we'll see. I mean, I guess out of the, the movies that won Oscars and stuff, I want to see Wolf of Wall Street the most. And uh, I heard Gravity is very good, but I've, I've seen none of those. So I think it's time for a Paul Goebel Memorial Mashup. Why don't you explain the rules to our listeners? All right. Well, I take two impressions, link them together to make one impression, and Matt and our guests have to figure out what that is, and it'll be a hybrid of the names of the various people involved. So are you ready to go? Let me uh, take a deep breath. <sighs> Concentrate. Go for it. Hey, Richie. I've been out in the desert getting ideas. I'm working on a science fiction novel. But hey, science fiction doesn't work right. That's okay. Wham! Hey, I just fixed science fiction. It's fantastic. I'm working with lots of themes. Some political, some religious. What do you think of my novel, Richie? Hey. Hmm. So, uh... Mm, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, I believe you are, are trying to do a, a combination of uh, the Fonz with uh, Frank Herbert, who wrote Dune. 
Correct. Now, what's the and, actual name? And you, you, you've used uh, the Fonz before in a um, Paul Goble Memorial mashup. I'd, I'd like to have you know. So did Jim Bruce. Okay, fair enough. Uh, it, you can do a lot with it. So it's uh, Arthur Frank Herbert Zarelli. Uh, it's Arthur Frank Herbert Fonzarelli because the Fonz's middle name was Herbert. Oh, so I, I I almost got it, more or less got it by accident. So I'll give you two thirds of a point. Two thirds of a point sounds pretty pop and fresh. Yeah, I don't know Frank Herbert um, Dune. Have you seen? There's a trailer for a documentary coming out about oh Jurowski's Jurowski's Doom. I cannot wait. Yeah, it to looks see that. interesting. I mean, originally Dune was supposed to be a wacky, wacky, super even more trippy than the actual film was. Uh, very avant garde take on Dune, and Salvador Dali would have played the Emperor. Yes, H. the H. Padishah Emperor. H. And H. Orson Welles was going to be in it. Orson Welles was going to be in it. H.R. Giger uh, did some work. In fact, after the uh, Trotorotsky version fell through, director Ridley Scott was supposed to do it. But then he dropped out to do... Um... Blade Runner? Yes, Blade Runner. Yeah, I cannot wait for that film. I've actually been been I, I've been following its development. I really am looking forward to seeing that. Some of my, some of my favorite artists were involved with that version of the film that sadly never happened. It should be a lot of neat uh, concept artwork, I think. Well, that I've realized in having having read Dune, I think I like stories about trying to adapt Dune better than I like the novel itself. Hmm. You know, I, I do like that first novel, but I think Children of Dune is perhaps a better story about his, uh, his kids that have the powers, and it ends with one of them turning into a sandworm. Ah, uh, who becomes the god emperor of Dune. Which, that's an extremely strange novel. Very, very weird. Um, yeah, you know, I thought the sci-fi channel Dune miniseries stuff was all right. I'm, I'm kind of surprised they didn't do more. more of those. I actually kind of am, too. Although with, with like with Game of Thrones as successful as it is, I could totally see another cable network trying to do a lavish adaptation of Dune using a similar format. Well, Children of Dune was meant to be sort of a backdoor pilot to a Dune TV series, hmm. and it just did not do as well as that first Dune miniseries. It didn't help that they changed most of the cast, except for uh, Paul Atreides. You know, the the David Lynch Dune film I think is really good production design and costumes. I actually I do have a very real fondness for that movie. It's too bad the original David Lynch cut will never be released. I mean they have reconstructed director's cuts, but I guess there's some version of it he did that he was really fond of that he had such a bad experience making that movie. If Dune would have been successful, he would have made Dune Messiah because he wrote a script for it. Hmm. He would have used the same actor that played the dwarf the dwarf in um Twin Peaks as the, the little person that's the assassin in Dune Messiah. Very cool. So, so let me get this straight. You will flippantly use the word retard, but you prefer little person. You know, I, I've, I've heard both ways. I've heard little person is okay. I've heard that dwarf is not, but then I've heard it is. So tune in next week on the sequel cast, where we'll talk about Rocky Three. We're going to have a very special guest, Paul Goebel, the king of TV himself. Woohoo! We, we had him on um, quite a while back for our Star Trek uh, G, the Borg one. First Contact, right? First Contact, First yes. First Contact episode, which he used. 
Great on. And I've got the perfect mashup for him. As long as it doesn't involve Fonzarelli, I think it'll be all right. It it does not involve the Fonz. Great. So on follow me on Twitter at SequelCast. And if you're in the metro Portland area, head over to Wilsonville, Oregon, Tuesdays, 8 to 10 p.m. I am a quiz master for Geeks Who Drink. I do a quiz at the Ram in Wilsonville, Oregon, Tuesdays, 8 to 10 p.m. And you can follow me on Twitter at InternetMare. And uh, I have no idea where I'm going to be, so who knows? I, you could find me anywhere, even under your bed. My name's Rocky. I like to box. <laughs> <laughs> what would Adrian's version of that be? Adrian, I'm his girl. We got married in the second film. And then I don't want him to go to the ring. Then there's a verse about her falling into a coma and changing her mind and ending with her, you know, I want you to go to the ring. My name's Polly. I got him drinking. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Polly. I'm a thinking. If you can get if I can work for guys, oh, then I can make lots of money, too. <laughs> it's a melody you can really attach any lyrics to. I want you. Yeah, there you go. Ring. <laughs> my name's Creed, and here's my thing. I want to go out on top. I want to have decisive victory. You're the master of disaster. And, uh, <laughs> and and you hit me like hard plaster. That's good. I like that one. Uh, I gotta go in the church now. My wife is almost gonna die. Rocky 2, it's for you. Coming to a cinema really near you. The sequel cast is a Hipster Goblin production. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 